This is Manifest Zone, the podcast that explores the breadth and depth of the world of Eberron as a tabletop RPG setting. I'm one of your hosts, Christian Serrano. I'm Keith Baker. And I'm Scott Welker. And this episode is a bonus episode, and it coincides with the announcement of Keith's newest project with the codename Raptor. Now, Scott and I know nothing about this. We've heard nothing about it at all. And so we're here with Keith now to ask you, Keith, what is this and why are you making it? Well, Raptor is something that I've wanted to do pretty much ever since uh, the Wayfinder's Guide. You know, basically since it became possible uh, to create Eberron material for the DMs Guild, uh, essentially there are so many elements of Eberron uh, that I have wanted to explore in more depth ever since the setting first came out. Uh, And I've, you know, until last year, it wasn't possible to uh, publish, you know, Eberron material. And until now, I frankly just haven't had any time uh, since it's become possible to actually do it. And so this is really a chance, uh, while it is non-canon, you know, this is a non-official book, it's a chance to really touch on some of my favorite parts of the setting, uh, and also especially parts of the setting that have never been explored in detail, uh, and to really present my view of them. Are are you telling me that we might get Planes of Eberron? Well, uh, you will definitely get Planes of Eberron. I will go ahead and say that. uh, That one of the the things I've I've wanted to do, again, since the the game first came out, is we created this unique cosmology for Eberron uh, separate from the Great Wheel, but then we never actually, you know, in canon material, it's never had more than a couple of pages of uh, ideas and for me the planes are very different from uh the traditional dnd planes and i really want to explore that and in particular i want to explore it from the perspective both of what are the planes themselves how are they different and unique uh what is it like to explore them what are the the things you could find there? But also, how can they affect your adventure even if you never go to the plains? So in Eberron, we have manifest zones, we have coterminous periods and remote periods. And there's also just that question of what interest do the denizens of these plains have in Eberron? You know, what could cause you? Uh, to run into something from a bar and what would that even look like? And so, so all of those are, again, it's that combination of, I want to delve into the more and, you know, talk about what are these places in, uh, and what makes them inspiring and interesting, but also to really provide some concrete, how is this going to make, how can you use this to make an interesting story? Uh, you sold me, so I'm ready to buy it. <laughs> and so, yeah, go on. I was gonna say, so following on that, that was the with the planes. Is this going to sort of expand on key areas from the Wayfinder's Guide? It's going to definitely. It, it's it's a sort of. Uh, I'll, I'll go ahead and say it is divided into a couple of different sections, which approach different things. So it's not like the whole thing is just a, ga- a gazetteer, if you will. Um, so some of it will, um, you know, and again, I'm being vague about this because we're going to reveal it sort of in pieces as we go. So certainly, uh, I'm going to be sharing more on my website, uh, because it's not going to come out till towards the end of the year. And, and as we go, I'll be sharing some of it on my website. We'll be sharing some of it on the, the KB presents, website. I'll note that uh, we're developing a lot of the art right now uh, and have a number of just really fantastic artists working on it uh, that we've already begun sharing some of those images. And so for one thing, looking at those images, you'll get some guesses as to what 
uh, we might be talking about. Um, but it is very much, you know, I will say it doesn't cover everything that has not been touched on in depth in Eberron because that would be a, you know, whole bunch of books. Uh, but it is certainly hitting on some of my favorite things and the things I've wanted to talk about uh, in more detail for a long time. Uh, you know, so I'll throw out on the one hand, that's things like the planes. On the other hand, it's also things like I'm going to present some thoughts on uh, the faiths uh, of Eberron. And that those are things, of course, that have been covered in Faiths of Eberron and in even in, you know, Wayfinders. Uh, and such, but just wanting to talk a little again about um, my perspective and, you know, how I use them in my Eberron. And again, it's a non-canon book. You don't have to follow this example, but it's presenting uh, ideas. Another thing I know I can go ahead and say is I want to look a little more again at the history and just say that you know Wayfinders really barely touches on the history of the world. And even the fourth edition book didn't go into a lot of depth. And I don't want to sort of be a burden on that, but the whole point to me of history is what is it that makes it a compelling addition to a story? How does the history of the world uh, give you options and elements and hooks to work with. And I think with all of that in general, that's sort of the point here is the source books give you this concrete information. And what I want to do here is go into a little more depth than something like the Wayfinder's Guide could on a number of topics uh, but always with that that point in mind of how does this make your stories more interesting? I and I, I think it's interesting because uh, in the interview with the design team, um, you know, they they the point was made about uh, often settings go too much into history rather than focusing on absolutely. The now. But I think you're exactly right in that with Ebron in particular, there is a lot of history that has shaped the current state of the world. We have the age of giants, the age of demons and so on. And that's exactly the point to me is that's just the thing is history for its own sake. And this is something that to me is a basic tenet of world building is just creating 10,000 years of history. And here's, you know, three pages of lines of Kings or something like that. Isn't it all useful if you can't imagine how does this make an interesting story? And so to me, something like the Age of Giants is a perfect example of it did happen many thousands of years ago. You know, the actual events of, of you know, diplomacy between the Colsier Dominion and uh, the Sulat League, that's not really that important. But just that point that there were different giant nations and how could that affect your story. What were they particularly noted for? What are the relics they left behind? What are the ways in which is there a Sumat Doomsday machine? And if so, what would it look like? Um, and so that's sort of the, the point to me is that focus on how has what's gone before, how could it come up today in a way that is both interesting and compose an interesting challenge for your players. Why does history matter? Right. Like you could, it, it helps inform the types of stories and adventures that the player characters will experience. Yeah. yeah. So when they go to a giant ruin in Zendrick, there's like flavor and description and even opportunities to, to pull story out of that. That's exactly the a sort of point. And it's one thing I think that fourth edition did reasonably well, though it was just sort of a little section that some people may not have noticed, is it had a section that was specifically what are the different types of dungeons you could encounter and how are those different? So the fact is that you could have a giant ruin, you could have a Dakani ruin, you could have a ruin from the Age of Demons. These are all dungeons, 
but mm-hmm. what makes them different? What could you expect to find there? And why is someone going to go to one of these? Right. It's not like these are generic dungeons that all look right. the same. They're going to have unique architecture. They're going to have unique features, unique relics, and and so on. So and the Age really of cool. Demons is a really you know good example to me of even now in the core books, there's almost no explanation of what was the world actually like. And, you know, one of the questions, some of these are are topics that I've at least addressed on my website, but one of the questions is, what does a, a demon ruin even look like? Like, why did demons have cities? And, uh, and you know, to me, just sort of touching on those, those points of what was the purpose of the structure and why would it still exist and what would you find there? You know, these are things that, again, can make Uh, make for a very interesting story. Now, I will say that that's not a huge, frankly, section of the book. It's just, again, one of the subjects that to me, again, it's a chance to go into a little more detail than what's gone before. And with that focus of how is this useful for you, the reader? Right. So Scott, I I have tons of questions, but I don't want to, I don't want to hog the mic. Uh, so I'm going to, I'm going to let you ask something if, if you well, would like just, to. I mean, there's so much, right? Cause I mean, any Eberron nerd is going to be frothing at the, the, <laughs> the prospect of this. Cause now you're going to basically have something new from the, the hands of the master. So our, I know one of the big ones, speaking of history, and it's mm-hmm. the one that gets brought up constantly in every game online, the morning, the morning land. Mm-hmm. What are we going to mm-hmm. do with that? Um, clarify what is it you want to be done with that okay so um i think i would have liked to have had more information on siri mm-hmm, prior mm-hmm. prior to the cataclysm like yes siri doesn't have their crest and when i run an eberron game i always run your siri refugees i don't want to say syrian refugees yep. but yep. your siri refugees <laughs> and I, I like to start with that route but there's no crest there's a yep. little snippet of colors that are commonly, but something like Siri, yep. and then maybe exploring. I don't. I don't think anyone wants you to answer what. Well, I know there are people who yeah, want you to have a definitive answer. That's what I was going to say. Is yeah. I'm not going to answer. <laughs> no, I will tell you for you. a fact. This book will not tell you uh, what caused the morning, in part because, as I think I've said uh, on on our show, yeah. uh, I don't have an answer. Thank you. You know, not, not uh, even quote unquote in my Eberron. <laughs> no, no, and, and and this is the thing: is in my Eberron, the point is I don't have the answer because uh, my stories are always more driven by the. The Cold War fallout of the morning than solving it. And of course, when we say in my Eberron, well, certainly I can just point to, uh, you know, the novels and, and such and say, well, I can certainly tell you characters who have theories. Mm-hmm. You know, I've had people come up with theories and I can always, of course, and if that section was in uh, was in the book, what I would say is, is the thing I certainly have done is said, uh, here are six possible explanations for the morning and the consequences of each of those being the case. Uh, but I'm not saying that is a section of the book. I'm just saying, you know, uh, that's where I look to it. Um, it is certainly the case that first off, I completely agree with you. More information about Syria is certainly uh, a valid thing because it is such a strong, um, sort of basis for characters. It's something that I did try and work at least a little bit in, in the Wayfinder's Guide of at least it just treats it like any of the other nations and specifically sort of talks about characters being from there. Uh, so I do think that's a, you know, a really good topic. And I also definitely would like to see more about the Mornland and again, types of adventures you could have there. You know, one of the little things to me about the Mornland is just that whole point that uh, from canon sources, we have these little things. Oh, there's no healing. There's no this. Uh, whereas to me, the Mornland should be a place that is filled with the unexpected, that you can't entirely predict what you're going to find there. And that means people could use more information about what they could find. Uh, but I'm not going to say if that's in the book or not. <laughs> right, right. Um, so, so uh, Scott, when you brought up Siri, I recalled Keith's article uh, mm-hmm. on his blog about yep. uh, Siri pre-Day of Mourning. 
And that led me to question how much of the content on your blog are you, um, I guess, looking to transpose and transform into Raptor? Uh, it's if, a really good much. question. No, no, no. It's a really good question. And what I'd say is it is not uh, just taking stuff off my blog and throwing it into a book. Right. Uh, I will say that actually um, Morgrave Miscellany was closer to that mm-hmm. because Morgrave Miscellany was a discussion of different classes. And a big part of my part of that was actually expanding on what I've, um, hang on. It wouldn't be an interview without a phone ringing. (laughs) Okay. Uh, that might come back here because I think I actually just hung up on them instead of, uh, sending it to voicemail. (laughs) Um, but we'll see. Um, and I apologize if it does. Uh, so where was I? Uh, we were talking about um, how Morgrave missed. Oh, wait, wait. So, yeah. uh, okay, hang on. And there we go. <laughs> okay, okay. This time I've just got to decline it. This is totally staying in got for it. comedic value, by oh, the way. Oh, yeah, of course. So, yeah. All right. I think everyone will appreciate it. Of so. course they will. All right. Um, sorry. There we go. Um, okay. Uh, so, you know, with Morgrave Miscellany, um, it focused very much on classes, you know, class by class breakdown. And that was something I had explored on my website. And I did uh, use a certain amount of that material uh, because that was the whole thing of adding depth. What is the role of a barbarian right. in Eberron? Where does it that go? Makes sense. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to say that I won't uh, reuse some material uh if it's entirely appropriate like i will say for example i wrote a long article about mabar on my website now i will say i am not just putting that article in the book because the format i'm going to be using is very different it is uh you know concretely about how does this affect an adventure uh, it is concretely about D and D, which, after all, on my website, I've you know always been very sort of vague about. Um, so I would say that it definitely is sort of using those things I've already written as inspiration, uh, but it is not simply oh I'm taking this thing I already wrote and just adding another 500 words to it or something. Like no, that. no, yeah, I, I, and I don't think anybody would expect that. Um, I, I guess it was more of like, can we look forward to a sort of uh, a collection of these ideas that you've that you presented? I mean, less I, mechanical, more right. lore. You know, I, I definitely think. I mean, again, looking to things like the planes in particular, you can certainly expect that what I've written about Mabar, and I wrote another article that touched on Irian and um, uh, Danvi. You can certainly expect that I'm going to be using, you know, pushing forward on those ideas. Uh, but I will say, especially with the book overall, overall, it is not just grabbing articles from my website. A lot of the <laughs> oh, things, yeah. yeah, I'm just saying, I mean, a lot of the things I'm covering are things that I haven't even really, uh, touched on the website. Although there's certainly a couple things that, that I have because they're favorite topics of mine. So I'm going to, um, I'm going to ask this question because I know somebody's going to ask it yep. out there. And in the past, you have talked about an underwater kingdom or mm-hmm. underwater kingdoms, plural. Mm-hmm. Is that something that we might be able to see? Might in, be. Uh, okay. It's fair possible. Enough. <laughs> uh, I, will, I will certainly say that that is another example of a aspect of the setting that uh, has literally never been explored in depth. Uh, and that is certainly, you know, underwater uh, kingdoms are something that I had thought about, you know, going back to our, our previous interview, you know, it is one of the things that was part of the 100 page uh, story Bible that I submitted uh, that just ended up not being incorporated into the world at all. And I think that was for two reasons. You know, the first was underwater adventuring is, you know, very difficult, uh, especially depending on the system. But also, just as I talked about in that setting, the world originally just had a lot more countries and such. And 
reducing the scope was essentially necessary just to ensure that things got covered as much as they did. And, you know, add another five countries in that are underwater countries that no one's ever, you know, you're going to not visit very frequently. Definitely, I see the reason to cut it. But to me, given that you have intelligent uh, species, you know, that you have this point that the oceans aren't just this empty space as they are for us, they are nations that, you know, just for trade and travel. Uh, you know, how do you interact with, with those nations? So I will certainly say that that is a topic, um, that I have always wanted to explore. Uh, but I'm not going to say just yet, whether it's one of the topics in the book, (laughs) just to keep the suspense going a little bit longer. Fair Uh, enough. Yeah. Um, yeah, go ahead, Scott. Well, how about this one, Christian? Cause this one concerns you and I probably the most. Uh, are we going to see an official Keith Baker, 5th edition, Eberron Artificer? Uh, well, <laughs> uh, to that, you know, that is the thing where that is frankly in the hands of wizards. Uh, where they've already done at this point, you know, two more rounds of <laughs> yes, <they have. laughs> uh, of, of Q&A on there. And yeah. I do feel that it's gotten better. You know, um, and so what I would say is the point is the reason it's not in in Wayfinders, Mm -hmm. for example, is because that is something that Wizards said, we're going to do this. You know, this is going to be official. It's got to be balanced. It's got to go through all the development process. And so what I can say to that is you're not going to see an official artificer class in this book because this is not an official book. Uh, I do believe that you will see an official artificer from wizards and, uh, you know, we can go ahead and say that, that it has been acknowledged that, that there is a official, uh, Eberron book in the works. Uh, and I'm just saying, I would, I would think that even though I can't say any details, I would expect that, uh, with all the artificial playtesting that's going on that you will see an artificer in that. I I so, hear you. Sorry, I would just I'm going to paint Keith in a corner for a second. I hear uh-huh. you. I respect wizards, but I technically said a Keith Baker version of the I artificer. know that you did. <laughs> what I would say is it's back to it's back to I want to present my own take and thoughts on the artificer, but frankly I can't do that until there is an artificer <laughs> to then present my thoughts on. If, right. if you see what I'm saying, I'm you, you, you need that. You need that final version to be able yeah, to then I mean, speak I'm, to it. Right. I'm just saying, if you look at the last two versions of the artificer that have come out, they're so different. Yeah. That if I had taken that first one and then tried to say, "Well, here's my thoughts on what I do with this to fit into the world," uh, it would be completely different yeah. than what is there with the second one. Uh, I will certainly say that whenever it comes out, whether it is uh, in this book or on my my website, you can certainly expect that I will uh, share my thoughts and and what I would do uh, with it. Uh, And I will, you know, say that it's something that I did write an article when the last version came out uh, that at least tried to sort of put into perspective. You know, I do think it is that point of here's what the mechanics are like. But how does this translate to how the class A works in the world and B, even just at the table? Uh, you know, to me, I had a lot of ideas in that um, that post that that make the class more interesting to me. So, yes, I, I will certainly say that whenever it comes out, uh, you can expect to see something from me uh, <laughs> awesome. relating to it. Well, that leads to another question I have in regards to uh, mechanical content. Are, mm-hmm. are we, should we expect to see, like, you know, options and such? So, for example, you know, may, perhaps a, a subclass for an artificer of your own design, or you know, something to that effect. Uh, I'd certainly say that that again, that's exactly the point of well, I don't know because it all depends on if there's an artificer. I will certainly say that when there is an official artificer. Uh, 
I would certainly want to create a subclass or two, essentially to try and sort of fill in the holes of, mm-hmm. you know, what do I think is missing uh, and such. So I can't say if that's going to be in this book because I don't know if we'll have an official right. artificer. Yeah. Uh, I but guess that I was can more certainly of an say, yeah. yeah, I can certainly say that it's certainly the kind of thing I would like to put in. I will say that this book, uh, when I compare it to the more great miscellany, which, you know, was a book I, I did in collaboration. And this is certainly a book where part of the point is this is pretty much just what I would do at my table. Yeah. Uh, I will say that Morgrave was a little more explicitly, here is each class, here are some subclasses for those classes. Uh, you know, is in a sense, uh, a spinoff Xanathar's if you will. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'd almost say if you were looking to precedent for that, this might be almost more like Sword Coast Adventurer's Guide, oh, okay. uh, where the point is, I it will have character options, um, but that is not the main focus, if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah no, that's uh, sense. That it is certainly about ideas that expand backstory that expand uh sort of the scope of what you can do with the world uh and then it will have character options and other mechanical elements uh to support all of that Mm -hmm. but again that's not the primary focus uh it's it's you know uh the cool extra bit Right, and right. I don't want to say extra bit because that makes it sound like it's really trivial. I'm not no, saying no, that. I, I mean, I, there's a lot of things I am excited to be uh, to be working on. Yeah. Uh, I will say again, giving away what's already been given away. Uh, we already have a uh, picture out uh, that's been posted from uh, Ali Baldinor uh, about of uh, a Warforged Druid. And I'm not saying that you might see something about Warforged Druids, but you might see something about Warforged Druids. You know, <laughs> mm-hmm, I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but that is the point again to me of that there will be uh, character options and things like that, but it's not as sort of concretely built around that as a book like Xanathar's or uh, Morgrave. Right. So, I mean, so very obviously this is like, we have campaign setting books. This is extending beyond what's in those books. I'd, I'd say that I almost want to call this like, uh, it's a director's commentary, right. uh, track on, on the CD of that. The point is you've got the campaign setting book. You don't need me to just do that. Or even to the degree that Wayfinders was, here is just the basics of the setting. So this is saying, this is where I want to go deeper into the things mm-hmm. that are only touched upon in the campaign setting book and potentially to go even deeper on things like the planes that have never really been uh, explored in detail. And so the point to me to looking to the planes as an example uh, is it's that opportunity to add something to the setting that in a sense you never knew you were missing because we never real really revealed how interesting they could be. You know, that to this point you'd say, well, the only reason I can imagine to go to Dollar is to try and drag a soul back because that's as far as we can tell all that's there. And here I want to say, but why else might you want to go to Dolor? What else is there? And again, what is the full impact? You know, what is a manifest zone to Dolor? Uh, what happens when it's remote? You know, how is it, does it influence the world? And uh, so that's a little different than just talking about something like the blood of all, for example, because that is a topic that's been talked about a bunch. I'm going to present, you know, my thoughts on it. Uh, but it's still been out there, whereas something like going into detail on Mabar has never really been out there other than if you peeked at my my website. Right. That's nice. fantastic. Nice. So um, there's there have been a number of articles, like the old Dragon Shards archives mm-hmm. from 3.5. Mm-hmm. Um, 
are are there any things in there that you may or may not be expanding on? Like, for example, there was an article on the moons of Eberron. You know, is that something that you may or may not expand on? Well, you know, I'll go ahead just uh, again to to touch on things I'm not touching on. And I will say the moons are not there. Uh, I think the moons are interesting because there is so much you could do with the moons. Uh, You know, in part, it's tough because if I were to talk about the moons, I'd almost want to present here are three different things you could do with them. Because on the one hand... Uh, you know, one of the things I've always said is the moons might not even be physical bodies. They could be actually planar portals. Uh, On the other hand, you know, one's also talked about that the moons could almost essentially be, you know, planetoid sized manifest zones. Uh, And, you know, that you have this opportunity for them to be these sort of wondrous. I still like the idea of a sort of post, uh, you know, just as we had, uh, you know, post-war space race uh, with with the different con- uh, nations, you know, sort of racing to uh, uh, to the moons. And I think that could let you really explore a lot of, frankly, classic pulp genre uh, stories. Uh, but I will say that is, in fact, not a topic uh, that will be covered in Raptor. Yeah, the um, only thing that made me think about that because I think Warforged mm-hmm. Druid was one of the articles. It was uh, from it back was then. One of the so articles. yeah, so that led me to wonder about you know other potential articles that may make their way in there or you know or uh, be expanded and, upon. And and I'll go ahead again since I have mentioned it. Uh, I will say that part of the point on Warforged Druids, you know, one of the things is Warforged are something that have always been uh, you know very near and dear to my heart, and that I think there's so much interesting potential to explore, uh, particularly with Warforged Druids, the, the point to me is I am sad about the official ruling that Warforged Druids wild shape into normal animals. Hmm. And uh, I am a fan of of the idea of Warforged becoming Warforged animals. Sure. Uh, and that has always been a thing I have wanted to explore, but you know, then there's the question of what are the consequences of that? Uh, what would that, you know, you can't just say, oh, you get to be a circle of the moon druid, but goodness gracious. You can't just say you get to be a circle of the moon druid, but you also get extra benefits from, you know, having the living construct subtype or something like that. Right. Uh, so I'll just say that that has been one of those questions that has been on my mind ever since uh, Wayfinders as a person who's playing a Warforged Druid in a campaign. So at, as of this announcement, mm-hmm. there's there's going to be quite a few weeks before this is released. And you That's mentioned correct. that you're planning to tease things out. What kind of frequency are we looking at? Um, as far as little teases and such? Uh, honestly, I don't know at this point. You know, uh, it is a matter of we are talking, you know, the book isn't going to come out till uh, definitely late in the year. And uh, there's, you know, it's going to be, uh, I'd say, probably more than 160 pages. It is something that we're aiming to have uh, print on demand on release. Uh, and we're going to be doing extensive playtesting uh, and such. Um, so I would hope, you know, one of the things is we definitely want to highlight the, the artists who have been working on it. Uh, you know, I want to, to preview some, uh, text on my site. So I would hope you'll be seeing a couple of previews a month. Um, I, I don't feel I can commit to whether that's going to be weekly or every other week. Uh, but, but we have a lot of interesting stuff to show and a lot of, uh, you know, artists and such who've been working on it. Um, so we'll see. Yeah, that's fair. Okay. Um, Scott, do you got any other questions before Uh, I continue on? No, go ahead. There's just so much. It's just overwhelming, you know? It really is. It really is. So, um, uh, I'm trying to think of other, God, there's so many topics that, that can be covered. I mean, uh, demon waste. I would yeah. love to <laughs> see more about, um, uh, Aranol, of course. I mean, um, I can talk, here's what I'll say. 
I don't want to reveal what's in the book. And in part, I don't want to reveal in the book, not only to uh, not spoil the surprise, uh, but also because I'm still writing it. You know, yeah, things could yeah. change. Uh, but I can certainly, again, you know, talk as you're saying about the kinds of things that are interesting to me with the note that I'm not saying these will uh, be in the book, you know. <laughs> we but get it. We get that it. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, what I'm saying is like moons are a perfect example. You know, the moons are a really interesting, unexplored aspect of Eberron. The Mornland is another good example of a place that has a lot of potential uh, for um, exploration that we haven't had underwater uh, kingdoms. You know, again, whole area that to me is both an interesting part of the world and yet we know almost nothing about. But as you said, there are so many uh, places like that, like the Demon Wastes, like Droam, like Dargoon. Um, and, uh, you know, the Dakani Empire, uh, as I said, you know, things like sort of more detail. I wouldn't say about the, the last war uh, specifically because we do have uh, you know a whole book on that and such. Mm. Uh, but we? again, going back <laughs> yeah, don't get me on that. Uh, but but again, going back to uh, the ways that things uh, could could impact uh, the world. Um, so so it's that kind of thing. You know, uh, and, and part of the problem is because there are so many topics that I would love to address uh, that, again, that book would be 400 pages or something like that. Right. Um, but I will say these are certainly all the kinds of things that we're talking about is things about the world that are unique uh, and yet that we haven't really explored in enough depth to really see how they are unique or how they could actually uh, be drawn into an adventure. So, so I can imagine that you have a lot of ideas that you want to talk about oh, in, yeah. in, a, in a single product, but you, you know, you mentioned about 160 pages thereabouts. Mm -hmm. Um, is this a sort of like a trial run for this type of product and, you know, with the possibility of maybe a series or is this oh, just yeah, a one sure. and done, you know? No, no, no. I think it's definitely, I mean, this is sort of the point is I've wanted to want, uh, to write about the planes forever. Uh, frankly, I don't know that an entire, I could write a 160 page book just about the planes easily, but I don't know if that book is actually something that the world wants. Uh, and, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I know it's something you want and I know it's something I want, but part of it is, you know, sort of ever since, um, the Eberron came to the DMs guild, you know, there are all these things I've wanted to write about. And in a way, what this is, is taking some of those topics and saying, well, okay, I'm not going to write a 160-page you know, book just on the planes, but let's at least actually write about each of the planes and really give you enough to actually use them and see where that goes, uh, while also covering a number of other topics. Because, you know, similarly, uh, you know, again, there's any number of other things that I could frankly write a whole book about that, uh, that I don't have time to. And this is also in a way you could look at it and say, if I give you 40 pages about the planes, uh, does everyone say, oh, that was fantastic. We really want to know even more. You mm -hmm. know, we want that uh, 160 page plane book or do people say, cool, I've got what I needed. Uh, good enough. You know, right. um, so this is the whole point of. Yes, we now have uh, an imprint that is KB Presents, um, and and the whole idea of that is I'm not saying that's going to be a ongoing constant stream of books, but at least it's it's open to it, you know, and and basically it really is going to be a question of what's the reaction to this, um, you know, and of course again 
there's still a lot of work to do to make it happen. Uh, and, and so if, uh, if that goes well, if, uh, people like the book, then I would certainly like to continue to, uh, explore other things. So maybe that moon book will happen. Um, I am, I am confident and willing to bet that people are going to want this book and all the material in it any, and then some, uh, Yeah, I mean, well, I, mean, I, I will tell you, it'll definitely be in then some, cause I know there's things, you know, that, that I would love to cover that, you know, again, 160 pages, there's only so much you can do. Right, and, right. uh, and again, it's the, if I wrote it longer, it would just take longer. So I'm, I'm doing something that feels like a good, solid, concrete book to me. Uh, and then we'll see what happens next. So I I use D and D Beyond, and I know that right now it's it's primarily official content. Although I've seen some weird supplements. I don't. Again, I'm I, I dabble with Five E, yep. and I've seen some supplements that I don't quite recognize as official as products that I'm aware of. Um, like there are things that I think were on DMs Guild and such. Is there a possibility that? Uh, that the D&D Beyond team might be able to bring this into that platform? I really don't know. Uh, again, you know, Wayfinders was, but Wayfinders uh, was, you know, Wayfinders is as, you know, essentially unearthed arcana, as we said, you know, it's as official mm-hmm. as you can be without actually being official. Um, and I think that would be really cool. Uh, but I really don't know uh, how that happens, if you will. Okay, D and D Beyond. If you're listening, make it happen. <laughs> right, it's not I, I, hard. It's, it's Keith Baker. Make it happen. He sells platinum yeah. level. At, <laughs> That's, right. Guild. That's right. So I have I, I do have a question, Keith. It's two parter. Mm-hmm. Are we going to see an exploration of any like new factions or new races uh, that we're going to drill into? And are you going to good... have like a meta plot? Yeah, I think that's a good question. Uh, what I will say is that the fourth edition book, um, concretely did add new factions It added the Mornland Magebred, it added the Face Spires. And I will say that that is not something I am planning to do in Raptor because really what I'm doing in Raptor is, uh, delving into more depth on, on the things that are already there. Um, and so it's back to that point of now, I mean, again, let's just look at the planes, for example, in talking about the planes, I am going to be talking about how can these things concretely affect your adventure and your world. And there are thus maybe ideas in there for if you're a warlock with ties to Mabar, what does that look like? Why does that happen? What does Mabar want? Um, so I'm not saying that there won't be sort of new forces introduced. Uh, but that's not the primary focus. The primary focus is more, let's look at the things that are there, but give you more to work with and, uh, sort of to add inspiration. Um, if that makes any sense. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now, again, not that I'm not open. I really obviously like the Fading Dream uh, and the the Moreland Magebred for that matter from uh, 4th edition. But as I said, mainly to me, this is about the chance. Uh, and I mean, I'm just saying, you know, the other point would be if one were to write about aquatic kingdoms, part of the point would be what is the impact these have on the world but again, that's not really something entirely new. That's something that we know is there that we just haven't really talked about. So, uh, so, so all that sort of thing, you know, it will give you new ideas, you know, and new things to work with. Uh, but the focus isn't, to my mind, uh, you know, I look to something like Morgrave Miscellany again with the Dragonforged where that really was something that was just entirely new. Uh, and that's not really the kind of thing I'm looking to do here. So to your point about um, fourth edition, bringing in new factions and such, mm-hmm. uh, it, and, and of course the face buyers and, and Aladrin, uh, it, it canonized tieflings and dragonborn as well. Mm-hmm. Are you looking to expand on that further or are you content with 
you know, what's already been documented. So well, I, you know, I will say that, for example, face buyers are part of my Eberron. And that was something I added. You know, that wasn't like it just got forced in. It was basically that was a case where for fourth edition, Wizard certainly said essentially Aladrin are a important part of fourth edition. How do they fit into Eberron? And that's sort of tied to that whole basic point of uh, if it exists in D&D, there's a place for it in Eberron. And so the point to Tieflings, Dragonborn, and Aladrin wasn't, oh, we're just adding some new faction in out of nowhere. It was, well, here you go. This is in D&D. Where's a place for it in Eberron? Right. So it was finding a place for that thing that was there. And part of what I really tried to do was add all of those in a way that it gave them a concrete place, but it also left it very easy for a game master who didn't want to use them to ignore them. The face buyers intentionally are isolated so that if you just don't like a laundry just don't use them. Um, and so, as I said, that's a sort of different uh, thing. Whereas the point is in uh, Raptor, I don't have that element of take this thing that didn't have a place in third or fourth. And, you know, I'm exploring the things that were already there. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess, I guess the, the point of my question was more of uh, tieflings and, and Eladrin and such being new in fourth edition, but obviously there weren't a lot of supplements that came right. out with fourth and fifth and, you know. So, so I will say uh, it is a good example of, of this is, this is a point of, I like the face buyers mm -hmm. uh, and, and I've thought about them and I think they're a fun way to sort of bridge Thelanus and Eberron. I'm sure I will mention them in the Thelanus section of Raptor. Uh, however, I'm not planning to go into great, you know, detail about them. That's not the focus. Uh, and they aren't being covered. You know, they aren't one of the subjects uh, of Raptor. But again, that is certainly, those are topics. If I were to write about Kabara, I would definitely write about uh, the Dragonborn. Okay. If I were to write about Droam, I would definitely uh, expand on the Venomous Domain. Mm -hmm. um, and so what I'm saying is I wouldn't necessarily just make an entire chapter on tieflings. Although, again, I have added some stuff about tieflings in other, other places, and they are mentioned in Wayfinders. Uh, but what I'm saying is it, the Venomous Domain is an excellent example of I wouldn't necessarily just write a whole section on the Venomous Domain, but if I were to write about Droam, it's a part of Droam, and it's an important part of Droam. And this is actually a good example of this is the thing, is Droam is something we've known about before, but we've never really drilled into what is the relationship between the Venomous Domain, between Kazakh Draw, between Lost, you know, these civilizations that have existed before Droam. Uh, and what does it mean that you have an advanced tiefling nation uh, in Droam as part of it? You know, how does that play into the the plans of the daughters mm -hmm. or the capabilities of what they have access to? You know, one of the things to me about Droam is Droam is a place where it's all about monsters using their unique abilities as the tools to build a nation. And there's lots of different sort of possibilities of what they have there that we haven't had the opportunity uh, to uh, to explore. Um, so like I said, will uh, will there be something just about Tieflings or just about Dragonborn or just about uh, Aladrin? No. But if I were to cover Droam, I'd certainly talk about the Venomous Domain. If I were to cover Kabara, I'd talk about uh, right, the Dragonborn, right. you know, the Trust Lorzvik. Uh, if I were to talk about, um, you know, Thelanus, and that one I've admitted I will, you know, I will at least talk about the face buyers in there. Right. And in the context of that region. Of this or, or is that one of the ways. Right. Yeah. This is one of the ways that mm -hmm. the can affect an adventure. Yeah. So I hope I've been suitably vague. Uh, yeah. I mean, cause you know, if you were to talk about drum, 
we don't know yeah. that you are. So I, I will definitely say, not talking about all the subjects we've talked about <laughs> that I might talk about. Right, right. <laughs> so there you are. All right. I'm 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 looking through I'm I don't know why I'm using the dragon the old Dragon Shards article as my sort of uh well, it shows you where pool. Keith's mind is, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And and so I'm thinking like, you know, like the article on the uh, Shalasakar, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, the Feathered Servants. Oh, uh, I got to admit, that one, they're not in there. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, you know, now that's an interesting one because that's a perfect example of they're a very obscure thing that, uh, and I say they're not in there. I don't know. You know, if, if, if I were to write about the Silver Flame, uh-huh, you know, yeah, I might right. at least. I see how this goes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, talk about them. Uh, but I will say I, I do not anticipate having, say, a racial write-up for Shalasakar. Right. Uh, right. On the other hand, now you mentioned it, you know, it's still time to time to change some things yeah, around. Yeah, mm-hmm. It's not too late, man. It's not too late. Uh, so. Although, honestly, I still think uh, Azamar can be pretty well reskinned as Shalasakar. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so I have a question and I sort of alluded to it, but I, it, we just we brushed past it. Um, are and we're brushing past it again. What no, do you have to you, ask? Are, are, no. <laughs> just let's talk. Let's 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 talk about the things you're not going to talk about. Um, uh-huh. No, are you planning on putting any sort of um, not so much adventures in there, but maybe like a um, like any kind of adventure creator or an encounter creator? Or, oh, yeah, you know, like kind the, of explore uh, that for based on so theme, yeah. like noir pulp and all that jazz. Right. I, I will What's certainly the, say that again. Uh, you know, this isn't an adventure book. Uh, so, you know, that's not the primary focus. On the other hand, I definitely uh, really enjoyed like just with Wayfinders, you know, I had the whole section in there about, you know, the the little Sharn, uh, random Sharn adventure yeah. generator and also things like the uh, sort of random Sharn street encounters. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I certainly will just say that, even just again talking about what I have confirmed will be in there with the planes, uh, that you can certainly expect to see things like ideas like that for well, what are adventure hooks you know tied to this plane mm-hmm. or, uh, and I do I re- as I said I really did enjoy that little section of of here's the random charm adventure, uh, so I think that's that's a good idea, you know yeah, we will see like, like I remember on our episode of Drum with Drum. You know, we talked about different reasons why some, not that you're going to do a section on drum, but different reasons why somebody might be going to drum, right? And I can see like a table associated with something like that. So, so that's certainly the thing is I do like that sort of format of, uh, you know, I will say that whatever I'm covering, uh, part of the, the point is very much how is this, uh, something that can affect your story. Mm -hmm. And I think, that sort of format of here's eight ideas that uh, could inspire a story. Boom. Uh, I really like that, you know, both from the, well, you can just roll on this table and here's your thing. Or even if you don't, here's eight ideas just presented there as things you could do. And, uh, and so I like that sort of thing as opposed to just saying here's two pages of of random details uh so you can certainly expect to see uh again that kind of actionable here's uh here's ways to work this concept into a character or an adventure perfect it reminds me a little bit of the uh the old steal this hook uh, archive as well, mm-hmm. like, where you can just yeah. get inspiration for ideas, whether you use it verbatim or modify yep. it. And and I will say that this is sort of the point: is there are certainly going to be some parts of this that are more geared towards dungeon masters and adventure building, but there also, to me, are uh, you know a lot of it is still about getting ideas uh, for characters and backstories, and uh, and there will certainly be character options. Oh yeah, I mean, there's if there's one thing I wish for players in my campaigns, it's uh, that they would have more knowledge of the setting, and so mm-hmm. that they can mm-hmm. enrich their characters and their backstories. And you know, when they when they interact with something in, in the game, they can expand on it as well. And mm-hmm. and, uh, and I th- I think materials like this are are great for players. Not that players have all the time in the world to just sit around and read. No, no, you know, for sure, tons of material, and- but. 
Yeah, and and that's the kind of thing is is to me it's back to that I don't necessarily want. Like you look to Wayfinders, and I wouldn't necessarily hand that to a player and say read this book. But on the other hand, I might certainly hand it to a player and say, hey, read this chat. You know, read read the right. introduction. Right. And if you're coming from uh, Brayland, read this page on Brayland. Right. Um, and certainly, I want that kind of aspect to whether it's read this whole book or just read these three pages, uh, you know, things that, that just give people more of an attachment to the world and more to work with. Good stuff. Nice. All right. Kobolds. Not saying in in or out. Oh man. (laughs) All right. Uh, Fair enough. Anyhow, I think that that uh, pretty much covers uh, all I can talk about and probably more. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, so um, so I we, we got the impression that Wayne is partially involved with this as well. Can you, can uh, you yes, talk about his yes. role? Uh, mm-hmm. So uh, Wayne Chang, uh, host of Manifest Zone. You may have heard of him. Oh, yeah, that guy. Uh, and he has been doing a brilliant job. Uh, from the start of organizing this, uh, he's just basically, you know, producing, uh, the whole thing, if you will, and, uh, saying in motion, he's been, uh, finding, organizing and directing the art, uh, and, you know, basically ever since starting to work with him on Manifest Zone, I've really appreciated, uh, his insights into the setting and, Certainly, in terms of the writing, uh, this is this is just me. Uh, but uh, Wayne is is as I said, doing a fantastic job of just making it happen. Great. And uh, you know, I've really enjoyed working with Wayne just over the last year on uh, adventures. You know, like Curtain Call and Trust No One. Uh, and then he's been producing the uh, Across Eberron. Right. series of adventures and that's sort of basically the point of you know i'm a person who loves to to make worlds and create things but i'm not a person who loves to wrangle artists uh and you know um there's you know there's definitely this is something we're going to be doing a lot of play testing uh, you know, it's, it's going to be a very involved thing and Wayne is making all that happen. That's great. So it sounds like it's going to be a very high quality product. Uh, and uh, I, think I certainly hope. Yeah. You know, yeah. we're going to, we're going to work really hard, uh, to make it the, the best book it can be. That's great. That's, that's awesome. Well, I, uh, I think, I know Scott and I are excited about it. Um, I think everybody listening is probably going to be excited about it and, uh, yeah, we're definitely looking forward to it. And we look forward to all the previews and uh, sneak peeks as things unfold. So. I, I definitely look forward to, to speaking uh, in more detail. And I apologize <laughs> for being coy about no, it now. No, no, no. It's totally cool. As I say, there'll be there's lots of cool stuff uh, to be revealed on both KB Presents and uh, KeithBaker.com. Yeah. And, uh, and so for those who don't know, KB Presents is on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, and the, you've been revealing art uh, mm-hmm. over the past several weeks. And there's a lot uh, of pictures I'm, I'm very excited about. Uh, oh, yeah. We just got a picture in, uh, and and I say this just because, hey, you know, I'll just say we have a very badass Medusa. Uh, yes. That, that if you haven't seen yet, go check it out. Yeah. And uh, a, a Warforged Druid possibly named Rose. Well, the Warforged uh, Druid is named Rose. You know, I mean, yes, I'll just go right. ahead and say part of the point of that Druid is that is my character from mm-hmm. the, the campaign I've been playing. Right, but right. there's a reason it's in the book. And, and, uh, and I think one of the coolest ones that I saw was the process of Sharn, of, the, mm-hmm, of that Sharn mm-hmm. uh, skyline being being drawn. I think it started with a 3D model and then they painted on top of it, which looked amazing. Like, absolutely and, and amazing. That's, that's definitely something that, as I said, Wayne has been doing a lot of is really working with these artists, uh, finding a lot of really good people and and sort of putting together 
uh, I know he has a lot of things planned to reveal that really show that process because it is really interesting. Is you know, uh, most of the the major images we've been working on really have been a sort of very uh, ongoing process to uh, you know really sort of have these images that we feel capture the setting. Right. So I, I have one last question before we close, mm-hmm. and uh, and it's an important one. Uh, do you have an, a ballpark figure of what the like price tag might be? It really depends on the final, um, you know, the final page count. Okay. Uh, and such. So I I'm yeah I don't really want to say uh, just yet till we really see again where Perfectly we get with fair. the page count and the the, the art. Uh, I will say that it is something that, again, we're commissioning entirely new art, uh, and you know that's art one of the expensive. biggest chunks. Oh, yep. Yeah. yep. Um, so yeah, as I say, until I have the the final page count, I don't want to uh, to step yeah. out that. Yeah, yeah. No, that's yeah, but I appreciate fair. the question. Sure. Yeah. Because uh, I, I I only ask. Not because I needed to know, but I know that other people are going to want to know. No, so. and it's totally fair. And like I said, you know, we're aiming at 160, 180 pages, and uh, um, you know, it's going to be a spectacular book. But mm. as I said, that's all going to sort of factor into uh, you know, what it costs to make it. Fair enough. All right. All right, uh, Scott. You got anything else? No, that'll you do. Want to it. All right. Well, uh, I think that just about wraps it up then. Uh, unless, Keith, you got anything, nope. last thoughts? Uh, all right. But I'm looking forward to our next episode. Yes. So uh, we, we previously promised that we were going to explore Dargoon and the Goblinoids of Eberron, and we aim to keep that promise with our next episode. Um, so, uh, as always, thank you for listening. Uh, be sure to visit our website at manifest.zone, where you can find subscription links to our show, post comments on the episode, and find links to our Twitter and Facebook pages. Uh, Whatever option you prefer, let us know what you think of the show. And uh, until next time, keep exploring.